Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. It's rivalry week. That it is. ASU basketball finishing the conference slate, traveling to McHale Center, where ESPN has them as a 47 or 43.7% likely to win. So they are predicting Arizona in the basketball power index matchup predictor. But yes. as you well know, predicting ASU basketball outcomes is impossible. <laughs> yeah, it has been a it's been a season. Uh, you know what can you say about this this year? I mean, it, I, I I don't know. In you know, it's it's what now? It's fifteen years. If you go back to our freshman year that we followed ASU basketball, <clears throat> and I really don't know if there's been a season like this one that has been so up and down. So uh, hard to predict from game to game. Um, you know, as soon as you start, you know, kind of thinking, oh, God, here, you know, uh, boy, things are falling apart. Here comes a losing streak. Nope, we, we get a win. Um, and as soon as you start feeling confident, like, oh, we're going to take care of business here. Nope, we lay an egg. And, and it's just been a, a weird year. Um, it, was, it was pointed out in the Doug Haller story that I – texted you about you know we've only lost back-to-back games i think once this year and that was princeton and utah so you know give them credit for not letting you know anything get into a funk but with that has also come not winning very many games in a row since december and it's just man and you just you know you had to buckle in for the roller coaster this year and there's still a, a few more twists and turns to go i think so we started the year seven and zero, and since then we're 13 and nine um, yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, well-tread story that we have, you know, a win over then number one, now not Big 12 champion Kansas. No. Um, but still a good team, you know, still a, good a team. top 25 team. Um, we you beat know, Mississippi State, who is a... Pretty much locked for the tournament. Yeah, uh, solid yeah. SEC school. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we had a spectacular game against Nevada. And we yeah. lost to a bad Vanderbilt team. We barely beat a Ugh. bad Georgia team. We lost to a not very good Princeton team. Right. Uh, we lost to a bad Washington State team. Yeah. But yeah. but then yeah. we turned around and we beat Washington, who, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, this this past weekend, and, and a lot of weekends have felt this way, a lot of stretches of this season, but this past weekend was, was like the season in, in a nutshell. We You know, we go – up there, you know, you're playing Oregon, who's been kind of sputtering along. You think, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, you and I talked last week and you said, you know, boy, it feels like you got to get the Oregon game. We go out and just look terrible. Probably the worst loss of the season, uh, you know, just uninspired, blown out in the second half. And then you go to Oregon State and everything that could go wrong goes wrong. You get, you know, Tayshaun Cherry gets injured. He's out for the second half. Daquan Lake fouls out. Daquan Lake, I called him Daquan Lake, out of Tayshawn Cherry. Uh, Remy Martin gets four fouls with, you know, 14 minutes to go. Romello White gets four fouls with a lot of, you know, I mean, things are going badly, and we find a way to win. And it just, it, it's, it reminds me of that Washington State-Washington weekend. Same thing, where, like, you, you throw up a clunker of a performance in the first game, and just when you start thinking, ah, oh, man, what is, what is wrong with this team? Then they come out and give you an inspired win two days later or three days later. The key for the Sun Devils, who, you know, we should say clinched the second place spot the first day yeah. by in Vegas and are 11 and 6 in conference, is that, you know, they've put together good stretches. Um, yeah. 
you know, twice they've swept the weekend, which they need right. to do, and they have not yeah. been swept in a weekend. No, they so, have not, and obviously will not now. I mean, we're we're done with you know uh, two game series, um, and and yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's a testament again. You know that record after a loss is pretty solid. Right? You know, I mean you 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 like that this team has not let negativity creep in, and you know go into a funk of losing three or four in a row. But boy, is it frustrating that they can't win five or six in a row. <laughs> I mean, it just. It just uh, is is hard to it's hard to digest a team that can you know beat Washington convincingly, um, that can beat Kansas, that can you know sweep Oregon State, who's third in the conference, that can go on the road you you know and win at UCLA, but then loses at home to Washington State, to Princeton, to Utah, you know loses to a, a winless SEC team in Vanderbilt. It just doesn't add up. It, it's been a weird frustrating but sometimes exhilarating season well and part of the problem is the bad losses are yeah terrible i mean it wasn't that we lost to vandy we lost by 16 to vandy yeah you know the princeton game was close but we the home loss to utah was by 10 the washington state game was a 21 point loss the oregon game was an 18 point loss i mean yeah when they you know when it starts to go bad Look, when it's tight, they keep it tight. But when it starts right. to go, it really goes quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Oregon game was very dispiriting because you know, you're down by eight at the half. You don't play well in that half, and you think, okay, you know, you, okay, you, you got to get it right. And instead, the second half was just a, a bloodbath, and you lose by 28. Um, and, you know, that just is is hard to overcome. And then again, three nights later. It's it's a game that you know everything feels like it's go you know you have a bad end of the first half one point lead turns into a seven point deficit real quick the second half you you start on a good note you know you make a run you get the lead but then you know your your point guard goes out with foul trouble you have a, one of your key guys off the bench doesn't play the whole second half both bigs are in foul trouble one fouls out with over eight minutes to go I mean it, it all all the recipe of losing that game and we find a way to win. We make big shots. We make free throws. Um, you know, it, it's it, it thrills you because it's like, man, that was a great win, and I felt great after watching the end. But then, like immediately, my thought turns to, where is that effort on a consistent basis? Where was it three nights ago? Where was it against Washington State? You know, all the games that you think about let let got away. Um, and if you only had that two or three more times, we're not talking about the bubble. We're feeling really good about ourselves right now. It is a, a second 21, uh, 20 win season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as and you and I. conference record that we've had since, gosh, since Harden. 2010. It, yeah. yeah. It's I, the Harden year where we yeah. uh, finished in the finals of the. In the final, tournament. yeah. And then 2010, we finished second in a very similar year to this, very down year for the conference. We finished second and didn't make the tournament. And hopefully 2019 won't be a repeat of that. Um, I know. I guess we did. I, I I was mistaken last week. I guess we did get a buy in 2014. I don't remember I didn't getting remember a buy. Yeah, I guess we did. I, I read that this week, and I sure don't remember that. But I think we went one and done with that buy. As we've talked about, you know, our our uh, record at the Pac-12 tournament is really not good. It's uh, poor. Yeah, poor. Poor is is being generous. Um, and so hopefully this is a year we can we can make a little bit of a run. 
because I don't think we can afford to go one and done. Uh, I mean, you you and I both said before the or before the Cal Stanford weekend that we needed five more wins. We've gotten three. The most we're going to get in this regular season is a fourth. I think we've got to get that first one, especially because you know, as the two seed, you're going to be playing the seven ten. That's not a good team. Um, you know, if you're in the two three game in the semis and you lose, maybe you can survive that. But I I think you've got to get at least that one and maybe get all the way to the final. Right now, as it stands, it would be Oregon Stanford um, in the seven ten. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know that could jumble up because oh, you man, know it's a crazy mess with you know three Oregon, through Oregon 10. State's nine and seven. Stanford is eight and nine. Yeah, uh, going yeah. into the final weekend, so they're right. all within a game and a half of each other. Three through ten is is crazy. Yeah, I mean you got I think you got three teams with seven losses, <clears throat> three teams with eight losses and then two teams with nine losses. So yeah, that could change in a lot of different ways and different tiebreakers. And uh, we know that we know Washington's one, we're two, and we know that Washington state and Cal are 11 and 12 and we won't play either of them in the, in the first game, um, which is probably good. Cause again, we can, we cannot afford another horrible loss. Um, and, and so we, you know, I don't know if we can afford one and out no matter what, but we certainly couldn't afford to lose to Cal or Washington state there. Yeah. Um, ASU basketball, it should be noted in recruiting, has made the final six for uh, some international prospect from Germany. Okay. Um, I, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him. So so basically, if we get him, he'll be the guy that we hear a lot about in like August. And then by October, it's like, yeah, he's probably going to redshirt because he's not ready to play. Yeah. I mean, I. AKA I, the Euros plops into 2019. Yeah, which I'm ready for. Uh, the The guy's name is Isaiah Innen, who plays okay. for a team sure. in Munich. And the okay. schools that he's listed are basically a guy who must have no concept of geography. It's us, Oregon, Minnesota, TCU, Texas, and Tennessee. Uh, that's all over. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's traversing the country there, I guess. But... Uh... Yeah, interesting. Uh, I saw we got a we got a commitment from a kid whose younger brother is a, like a five star recruit next year. We'll see if that pans out. But you know, um, are you suggesting we, that we're bringing him in only because his brother's a good recruit? ASU doesn't no, look that far ahead. Who knows? I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of places would have done the same thing, and we'll we'll see if it if it leads anywhere because you know we've had those situations before. Oh, we got uh, we got this guy. Wasn't it um, uh, Gordon Evan mm-hmm. Gordon? Yeah. Oh, we're going to get his younger brother, who never really did turn out to be very good, but at the time was thought to be a huge recruit, and we didn't get him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we've, we've traveled this road before unsuccessfully, but hey, we'll see. Uh, ASU football also added a player, uh, Rice yeah. grad transfer Roe Wilkins, yeah. has committed D-line. to the Sun Devils, so we're, we're adding one more. Uh, yeah, I mean, depth on the defensive line is is really a spot that I think is important to address because we lost, you know, several guys from last year either to graduation or transfer, and uh, you know, by the end of spring, we had you know four healthy defensive linemen on the team. Now, obviously, that doesn't account for the freshman, you know, guys you've signed, but we need bodies up there, and, and so you know, I don't know if the guy's any good. Who knows? But. It was it was good news just because you know we need we need depth at that spot and we sure didn't have it in spring. He's a two time 
all Conference USA honorable mention. And, Which uh, simply means that his school nominated him for all Conference USA and he didn't get picked. He, but it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> he also, uh, according to Sun Devil Source, will be uh, joining George Lee as the most experienced D lineman in the program. Yeah, yeah, so, I suppose that's true. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not a defense that seems to really heavily rely on its defensive linemen for you know statistical production. Um, and, although you know, you uh, Renell Wren was all combine team, so Renell Wren did have a you know, but again, didn't have a, a monster year stat wise. I mean, he, oh, no. he had a very He's, you know, this is going to be like Kalen Balage. His yeah. combine numbers yeah. are going to guarantee he gets drafted. He will get drafted probably, I would guess, second day. I mean, it's a, it's a very good defensive line draft, it seems like. But, you know, I've, I've heard him mentioned as a, as a borderline first-rounder. I'd be surprised if he went that high. But, you know, second or third round seems realistic based on that, at least right now. He is uh... – if you like Spark with a Q ratings, yeah, he is yeah. a darling. Um, yes. So he's definitely going to go somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, the draft is interesting because we've got another Kyler Murray story where he's <laughs> definitely or definitely not going to be the first pick overall. Right. Um, right. And then uh, and did you see the Charlie Casserly quote unquote report about how terrible he was in interviews, which has since been debunked by numerous places. But yeah, he's he's the lightning rod. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Like this is the story of the draft and he has certainly proven to be just that so far. Todd McShay's new mock of course put him number one because Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of places jumping on that. But then today also saw the report that, you know, the Cardinals have not shot josh rosen yet and have you know but people are inquiring interest. yes yes teams are inquiring they have not made him available who knows man what a you know it's it's 50 days until the draft as we speak and uh i'm sure we'll we'll have you know 50 more stories on this you know over that time frame if not more you know they're not interested it's 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 uh it reminds me of, you know, Vince Vaughn, you know, this description in Wedding Crashers about, you know, awkward first dates. Um, and that's that's how this is. They're interested. They're not interested. They're going to pretend like they're interested, but they're not really interested. They love Josh Rosen. They don't love Josh Rosen. They've committed to Josh Rosen, but they're not going to say anything. Actually, they want to get rid of Josh Rosen. I mean, it, it's going to make your head spin how many things were here over the next seven weeks. Well, and this – all right, I'm going to take – this to something that you are not going to have an opinion on. But I'm off the top of my head. Josh Rosen is Hannah G from the bachelor right now because yeah, you lost me on that. It's fine. I'm I'm rolling. Just let let me go. I'm Bluto. Let me go. I'm rolling. Um, So on the bachelor, which I'm not sure if you even in the pop culture world, were aware there was a very controversial bachelor on Monday night where uh, the second of three overnight dates in the fantasy suite, the girl decided that she was going to break up with the lead, which is the, by the way, the fourth girl who's left him this season, which is a record that might never be challenged. Um, And the bachelor broke the show format and basically told her, I want to pursue this with you. It doesn't have to end in a proposal, but you're like, I love you. You're who I want to be with. I'm not, 
you yeah. know, going to pick the other two. I, you are the person who I want, whatever. So mm-hmm. we got the date with the first girl. We saw what they, their date with the awkward next morning interview where she clearly didn't have the time she wanted. Mm-hmm. Then we saw this whole date with Cassie, who he says he loves and cannot leave. Sure. And there's a third girl, Hannah G, oh. who okay. we already know that's not who he wants. But she's <laughs> there. Like she's still waiting to find out what he's going to do. See. And I feel like that – Hannah G is Josh Rosen right maybe, now. Maybe, maybe, I, yeah. You know, they, I mean, we already know they love Kyler Murray. That's who they want to be with. That's who they'll break yeah. the whole game down for because they love him so. He has all yeah. of the measurables and intangibles like a Cassie does for Colton. Uh, <laughs> but, but Hannah G's still sitting there. Just yeah. like Josh Rosen's still on the roster, and you got to do something. He's still there, and yeah, I, I guess, I guess I will. I, I'm still of the camp that I'll believe it when I see it. That they're really going to move on from Josh Rosen after just one year, when the same front office is still in place. It's, you know, it'd be different if if they had fired Steve Kime and a new front office was in play, and you know, uh, but this they, is perhaps you know, they should the have fired Steve Kime, but. They probably should have. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I agree. They probably should have. Yeah, but they didn't. And and so he's making the call here. And I definitely think he is. I do not think Cliff Kingsbury is making the call here. Um, I mean, he's probably playing a factor, but but not the final decision. Now, the the one thing that's been thrown out there, sort of the cynical side of this, that I could see is Tyler Murray will energize a fan base that was not at all energized last year. I mean, if, if you, I don't know if you saw any of their late season games, but I went to the Lions game and there were a lot of empty seats. Now they called it a sellout because no one, no one accounts for sellouts anymore because of the no blackouts. So they can call anything a sellout. But that was, I mean, there were probably 20,000 empty seats at that game. Um, there were a lot of the Rams game, and, you know, games against the Bears felt like the old Sun Devil Stadium where, you know, the, the crowd was louder when the Bears did something good than when the Cardinals did. So if there's a cynical side or a, not, not, not so much cynical, but a business side of this, that I could see. Because Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa, let's say they take Nick Bosa, is not going to necessarily excite sleepy fans. You're not selling a lot of Nick Bosa jerseys. I'm going to tell you that. Not right off. (laughs) Now, I mean, things may turn and, you know, maybe that in the long run, that may be the better choice. Get yourself a pass rusher, keep developing Josh Rosen. And two years from now, you may look back and say, boy, Nick Bosa's an all pro. Josh Rosen's a really good quarterback and we're happy with what we did. In the short term, Kyler Murray is going to sell a lot of jerseys. He's going to get people excited. He's going to get, you know, kids to... He's, yeah, I mean, kids are going to ask, you know, ask their parents, hey, let, let, I want to go see Kyler Murray. They're not necessarily doing that to see Nick Bosa. That doesn't mean Nick Bosa's a worse player, but just, you know, simple entertainment value. So, I, you know, that's been thrown out. I've heard it on TV, and I've heard it from people here, and that makes some sense. But, gosh, I still, I'm still of the camp that I'll, I'll believe when I see it. Maybe it'll happen, but right now I still feel like they're going to go the conventional route. They're going to keep Rosen. They're going to draft Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams or somebody like that. And we're going to look and say, boy, all that hype about Kyler Murray and he ended up going to Oakland or Miami or wherever. 
if Murray's their guy, I predict a a pick swap with the Jets at three. So the Jets get Bosa. And then, uh, you know, they'll pick up, let's say they pick up a third rounder or second round, whatever the going rate is to move two spots. That's not the rate the Niners paid with the Bears. Um, Or that the Niners made the Bears pay, rather. Uh, And then they trade Rosen for... uh, 2020 second rounder that's my prediction yeah i could see that yeah yeah the risk about trading down if you want murray is there's the feeling that the raiders love murray (laughs) and even if you trade to three what if the raiders jump up and get two and wouldn't that be with the 49 wouldn't that be something if the raiders and the niners who and the niners who are are not on good terms but but if they do that because the niners hate the cardinals enough to right and the niners you know would would want to get you know hey you know you get a couple more picks and you know if you feel like you could trade down and still get you know josh allen from kentucky or or you know quinn and williams or somebody like that you, you know you feel pretty good about that so um I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like if you're sold, and I don't know if they are, who knows, but if you're really sold that Kyler Murray is your guy or whoever is your guy, you don't trade down because what if that guy goes away from you and then you lose him and let, you know, unless you're trading to two, which, you know, why would the Niners trade up to one? There's no real benefit to that, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. So you can't guarantee you're getting the guy you want, and that's the beauty of having the number one pick. That's what you earn when you go three and thirteen, and you you know stink it up last year. You get the guy you want. So I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be like I said, it'll be an interesting next seven weeks. I'm sure between now and then, uh, there'll be several stories of they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to trade this guy, they're going to trade this pick. Um, and you know, they're. I mean, I know they're loving it. They're loving being at the center of attention. The Cardinals crave attention. Uh, that's why they did that all-or-nothing show. They they hate irrelevance. And that's another reason, if you want to be a cynic, why they might take Kyler Murray. Yeah. They would not be irrelevant next year if they have Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a show. It is. I mean, as the schedule comes out before the draft, but if there's a feeling by, you know, mid-April that they are going to take him, I can pretty much guarantee you they'll have more than one primetime game, which is what they had last year. They had the one, you know, prime gun game you have to get. It was on a Thursday night, and it was a clunker. They got blown out at home. Um, and that matters to them, too. I mean, I was there the year they had, you know, five, and boy, they could not stop patting themselves on the back about having having so many primetime games. So attention matters. Mike Bidwell wants to matter. He wants to be the Cowboys. He never will be, but he dreams of it. And, you know, a move like this gets him a little bit closer. Uh, we have some breaking news, although it won't be by the time this is out. Uh, Sal points Mario Padilla has committed to Ole Miss. The, ah. the Sal Point factory has churned out an SEC player. There you go. Okay. So, was he, he was a senior this year, wasn't he? Yes. So okay. he, has, uh, he has announced on there. Twitter that he nice. is committed to Ole Miss. Good for him. He was a solid player. I mean, he certainly um, not not the size or the you know jump off the page at you like Robinson and Ransom and some of these guys, but but very productive. I mean, I I went to that first game this year and he was running circles around Dobson and you know very good player. I don't know if he'll I don't know if he'll make it in the SEC. Um, 
but cool, cool opportunity to see if he does. Yeah. And look, it, you know, I saw a story, um, in the Republic, I think it was by Richard Obert about the yeah. fact that, you know, Arizona is getting a lot more attention. They've got, and, and he name checked Bijan Robinson and, yeah. uh, Kelly Ringo. Is it Keeley or Kelly? Oh yeah. From, Kelly? Uh, from Saguaro. Yeah. As uh, two five-star guys who are getting nationwide attention, uh, in the lead, you know, obviously all the South Point people know Lathan Ransom's getting all kinds sure. of attention nationally as well. Um, but it's it's interesting because it used to be, you know, there would be one big guy and he would leave the state. It's weird to have a year right. like next year where you're looking at a number of four and five star recruits in yeah, Tucson and yeah. Phoenix. I agree. I mean, it's it's been a change, um, and this and, and next year's not a, you know, it's maybe the highest profile, but it's not an isolated thing. Like the, you know you. You saw, you know, the number one quarterback in the country by most places was Spencer Rattler this year. Um, you know, one of the top guys next year is Jack Miller that's going to Ohio State, or supposed to at least. I mean, there's there's good players in this state and, and depth. You know, it's not just like one year you have this great year and then it goes back to normal. You know, it's it's much like I just said, you know, the Cardinals are never going to be the Cowboys. You're ne- Arizona's never going to be California or Texas or Florida, but it's definitely getting better when it comes to producing – good players yeah i mean it's definitely going to become more and more important to take advantage of the relationships if you're asu with the local guys yeah which you know is no doubt a a benefit of the you know sean iguano hire um you know you you bring guys in like that and you know chandler's been a, a pipeline and probably will continue to be so, you know, he's got relationships with them. I'm sure he's got relationships with other guys from around the state, coaches and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Arizona's doing the same. Um, and that's not going to stop, you know, USC and Texas and Ohio State and those type of schools from coming in here. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you got to get as many of them as you can, realistically. So let's briefly – touch on the fact that spring ball for ASU football has ended. Yeah. Um, you were at the final practice. It's not really a spring game anymore. It's right. Right. Just a, just Didn't a practice. Guys. Um, yeah. but for a Thursday night, how, how was it at Sun Devil stadium? Uh, it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, it, it was, it was different. Um, I can't remember a spring game that I've gone to on a weeknight. Uh, you know, at, most of the time when we were in school and, and the years after when I was working there, spring games were always Saturday mornings. Um, and, and even, you know, racing years now, a few of the years lately, it's, it's been, you know, hasn't been at the stadium because of construction. Uh, last year was at the soccer stadium. I remember um, three or four years ago, I wasn't even open to the public because they had to do it, you know, at the, at the practice facility. So it's, it was different, but, uh, you know, a decent turnout. I mean, certainly nothing that – you know, SEC places would probably say, oh, that's decent. Um, but we're not the SEC. That's just the reality of it. Uh, you know, solid, solid interest. It was, you know, it was a nice night, obviously. And um, hard to glean too much from it. Uh, you know, again, I texted you that it seemed like it matched what we had heard reported that, you know, Sterling Cole and Jaden Daniels had separated a bit. But who knows? Uh, you know, I think they're leaving things open, and, and it will continue to be open until fall practice, probably. 
the most annoying part for me of the whole spring practice situation was an accidental thing from a person who I get so much joy out of that I'm not going to take offense. Doug Haller tweeted, for those of you who can't make it to the game. (laughs) I saw it too. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. The spring practice will be televised on the Pac-12 network so you can watch it there, which is a lie. Uh, because you can't watch the Pac-12 network. No, no. I uh, I saw your response, and and it, uh, you know it was funny because when I read it, I almost even responded that myself. Like, well, yeah, unless you have Directv, uh, you know, um, and and even like yours now doesn't have it. I think other other cable providers don't have it. So, yeah, I I saw the same thing and had a very similar thought when I read it in real time. So. Other than that, though, uh, I think that the moving of spring practice earlier got them good exposure, got good yeah. attention. I, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think they will be alone in this. Um, I, on, the, on the flip side, I don't think you will see the powerhouse of powerhouse teams do it because they'll be playing bowl games in January. And, right. it, you know, you right. want to put a little you more know, distance, but I think you will start seeing, around. you know, the drift to – you know, mid March as the end for a lot yeah, of teams. Yeah, you might, you might. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, now the interesting thing is, is you know, now a lot of teams have their indoor facilities, but weather-wise, you know, if you're in the Midwest, the East, hard, harder to do that. Um, we have the benefit of you know having pretty good weather in February, even though this was a this was a cold February, and you know we had some days with very cold and rainy but still you know not bad weather overall um so i don't know yeah it'll be interesting to see if that does become a more of a trend i i mean i certainly expect them to continue it next year uh because it you know it was met with rave reviews it seemed like from everybody involved Uh, the program certainly got behind it you know like the new locker room like that's how how much we were talking it up as a yes, choice yes yes yeah you know so it's it's uh it's interesting um you know you get a you get a good vibe around the program and what what's that worth i have no idea i mean you know you can say well that and you know a dollar fifty will get you a bottle of soda and that's true but you do get a you do get a feel that you know the coaches are are in lockstep um that you know, there's there's just a, a good feeling around the program right now. Now, can that be ruined with one you know five and seven season? Absolutely, it can. So I'm, I'm by no means saying you know this is this is utopia and everything's perfect and we're gonna you know roll off conference titles. But nonetheless, uh, you know, for for where we were last year when this was so much of an unknown and people were ready to point and laugh at us, you feel a lot better than you did then. And that's that's all you can really say at this point. Absolutely. Um, that's all I've got. But I you want to talk some NFL? Well, I mean, the, oh yeah, around the league. That's a good call. I we did the draft, and then I veered because I led naturally to, to ASU. ASU. Yes, because all yes. roads lead to ASU. But yes, yeah, so. Uh, Antonio Brown is rumored to be traded as soon as by Friday. Le'Veon Bell's yeah. a free agent. Eric Weddle, who said he wouldn't play anywhere else but San Diego, is now playing on his third team because he's been Going cut by the Ravens team. and said he's right. not going to retire. 
Um, what What's the biggest news for you? Is it Brown and Bell? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious where they end up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious for the Brown trade to be done so we can stop hearing about him maybe every day. Uh, he's, he's, you know, become a sideshow, uh, a great player, but man, oh man, like this, learn to shut up would be nice. Um, and I, yeah, I am curious where Bell goes. Just <laughs> I mean, learn to shut up would to. be nice is a great. I realize that. I realize he's not gonna, but I, I wish he would. Um, and yeah, I mean, Bell's a curiosity because obviously such an unusual thing to, you know, sit out the entire year. Um, how much money does he get? Does it does it uh, make up for the money that he didn't make last year when he chose to not sign? And who gives him that money? I mean, how many teams, you know, we talked about Foles last week. Is there a tremendous market for Le'Veon Bell? I don't know, but all it takes is one. You know, all it takes is the Jets or somebody like that to, to think, you know, okay, we've got to go get him and give him what he wants. Um, I, I'm not sure there's that many other teams that are, you know, willing to go out and spend big on a running back because like, you've, you've mentioned it several times when we talk, running backs are very replaceable. And it's true. I mean, it is probably you know, the most fungible position and has yeah. been since uh, Mike Shanahan broke yes. the position with the Broncos. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in the, in the days of the star running back, are they're not dead, but they're they're not lively. Let's say that. Like you know, yeah, there's Todd Gurley's a star, and, and Zeke Elliott, you know. But but you're talking about young guys, and will they still be stars in three years? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, there's such short lifespan for these guys. I mean, Adrian Peterson has been a a big name for a long time and had a lot of success and. You know, outside of him, who's the who's the star running back from the last ten to fifteen years? Frank Gore's been really good, but is he a star? Well, and you're also talking so. about guys who haven't been paid a ton. Like, right? You know, Adrian Peterson got paid a lot, but Frank Gore right. was never, never you know, never broke seventeen million yeah. a year. No, you know? no, because teams aren't willing to do that. <laughs> Frank Gore is, is really an outlier. I mean, his production year after year after year. And continuing to be good into his mid thirties is something you just don't see very often now. I mean, Adrian Peterson has had some nice moments. He's also had some some you know he missed a whole year. He got injured. He had a you know a dud well, year. Well, his twenty seventeen was garbage. And, right. and two sort years of ago when he was with the Saints and the Cardinals, he you know did very little. Um, yeah. Had a decent year last year. You know, bounced back and had a pretty good year with Washington when it seemed like his career was probably over. But it, hey, but you know, but that's exactly the sort of thing that makes you think, boy, he he could be replaced pretty yes. easily yes. by yes. you know what what would you know a fourth round running back from a mid major right. conference well, team look like? I mean, you know, we we talked to Le'Veon Bell. Look no further than his own team; they replaced him just fine. James Conner was a relative unknown if, if not for the you know the story of him having cancer in college very few people would know about him he was a mid-round pick he'd barely gotten any real reps and he comes in and, and has a pro bowl year and when he got hurt at the end of the year they replaced him with Jaden samuels a rookie from nc state who's pretty good you know they missed the playoffs but not because of lack of running production because of a variety of other things that went wrong with them so you know as good as Le'Veon bell was for him and he was they didn't really miss much of a beat without him. 
You mentioned something before about the Cardinals being really happy they got five primetime games in a season. Yeah, yeah. I predict the Browns have the second most primetime games. They're going to have a high number, yeah. Yeah, and one of them might be the Cardinals. I could I could see that game getting, especially if they, you know, if you feel like Murray's going to be there because then you'd have the Murray Mayfield, you'd have the Baker Mayfield, Cliff Kingsbury relationship, which isn't good. You know, the Browns hired Steve Wilkes to be their defensive coordinator. They're, you know, Freddie Kitchens is a former Cardinals coach. There's a lot of overlap with those franchises. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the, the Browns will be very well exposed next year. There's a there's a buzz about the Browns that hasn't been there for a long time. Well, uh, and people we'll want it. Match that, it. You know, but, that's but the thing yeah. is people want this. And, and I think part of they it do. is the hard knocks. Uh, everyone sure. kind of sure. feels like they know the Browns a little. A little bit, yeah. And they've yeah. been you bad. Know. And the way that the team you know, was taken from the city right. and hasn't been good since while the Ravens have had anything. such good success. Yes. Yes. No, I agree. I mean, there, there is a, a feel of like, okay, this, this, it feels like their time. They've, uh, they got a lot of money to spend, so they could be a, a big player in free agency. Um, although it's not a great free agent class. There's not a ton of, you know, big names out there, but they could, you know, they could go spend some money. They've got, you know, some marquee guys on offense and defense. The last two number one picks, obviously, you know, Mayfield, Miles Garrett. Um, so it's it's an interesting group, yeah. And, and you know, they, they got a lot of feel good from their second half run last year. Now, can they do it with expectations? We'll see. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I bet they're on four times, something like that, you know, scheduled at least for a, a Sunday nighter and a couple Thursday nighters and, and a you know, Monday. Monday night game, you know, they'll, they'll be more exposed than they have been. That's for sure. Speaking of Monday night, Jason Witten returns to yeah, uh, the field from the booth. No, no, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't, I don't love the, you know, coming back from retirement. I guess I, I mean, you know, it's, it's everybody's prerogative. You can't, you can't outlaw it, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, you left, stay away. Um, and that's just my thought, I guess. But but uh, he was terrible in the booth. I think that's well. I I, well I really like the conspiracy theory that the yeah. ringer floated that Jerry Jones saved him from <laughs> just getting, getting fired. fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard that too. That ESPN was was wanting to push him out, and rather than be out, he decided oh, I'll come back. And then, you know, the Cowboys will give him a, a coaching position, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that conspiracy theory out there, and maybe there's some truth to it. But I don't I don't expect him to be all that good. He wasn't – I mean, he had his worst year in 2017, his, his last season playing, and now he hasn't played for a year. It's hard for me to believe he's going to, you know, come back and catch 80 passes and, you know, go to the Pro Bowl. But – who knows? Uh, if he does go to the Pro Bowl, he could break the trophy again like he did this year when he presented it. So maybe that's an opportunity for him. He'd be the first guy to break it as both a media person <laughs> and a uh, player. So that'd be something. And a player. Yeah, yeah. History and a making. So who knows? Yeah, you know, I was surprised by it, definitely. Uh, it, it was one of those stories that when I first read it, I thought it was a joke. Like, oh, yeah, right. Jason Witten's coming back. And then I'm like, eh, I think this is legitimate. Um, so I have one more thing, speaking of announcers, that okay. I meant to bring up 
It's my fault when I said I had nothing else. Um, That's all right. Jessica Mendoza from uh, Sunday Night Baseball huh. on ESPN uh-huh. has signed a front office role with the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. Jessica Mendoza will continue to work Sunday Night Baseball for ESPN. Mm-hmm. Now, baseball's not football where your plays and things are sure. closely guarded secrets. It's a series of individual competitions. Right. Um, but much like my response to Jason Witten returning to the game, my response to this mm-hmm. is no, 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 I no, agree. No. Yeah. I, I mean, by the tone of your, your setup there, I was going to say, I, I get the feeling you are in agreement with me. Um, I just can't see how this is okay. Uh, you know, first of all, the lack of objectivity that she's going to have if the Mets are on a Sunday night game, and I'm sure they probably will be, even though they're not going to be great. It's the Mets; they always get some exposure. Um, or if she's doing, I mean, if she's doing a game between the Nationals and the Phillies or something like that. I mean, like you're right; it's not football. It's not you know plays and called it, but you know, there's still there's still a lot of strategy to the game. And in these, you know, meetings you have with announcers, you know, are you going to tell her, you know, well, we don't want to bring this guy in in the seventh inning um, because, you know, he struggles, uh, you know, against lefty batters. Well, she's going to take that back. Oh, you want to get him in because he struggles against lefties. I mean, I, you know, stuff like that. I just I, I'm kind of miffed as to how anybody thinks this is a good idea that she's going to do both things. Well, simply put. If I'm a manager, I don't say anything. I'm not giving her anything. No, exactly. You know, yeah. and, and therefore I don't say anything to anyone at ESPN. Right. You know, I'm right. not. I'm also not going to tell Matt Vaskersian, and I'm no, not going to tell the. I'm not going to tell the radio guys. Because I agree. Yeah. Why you might get back to her? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. why would I do that and give you insight? Yeah. You know, look, yeah. I, you have scouts. People know. Um, sure. Sure. But, uh, but unacceptable. You protect your your strategies. Uh, you know, you, you don't. You're not going to say. You know, well, uh, I don't want to put this guy in with you know men on base um, because he struggles to move the runner over. You know, things like that that, that maybe aren't maybe aren't. Yeah, we're going to call this play on third and ten from the forty five yard line. But just you know, the insider, the type of stuff that yeah. they say on TV. Well, I was talking to you know. Uh, Throw out a man, you know. Well, you can just say like, Car- you know, I was talking to Joe Madden about Carl Edwards, right. and you know, everyone right. says that he's a little erratic, and Madden expressed that he's a little concerned about the idea of bringing him in with a man sure. on third in this game. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That type. Yeah, I mean, you hear that stuff on the, all the time on TV. You know, we were talking to the coach last week, and and he said blah 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 blah. You know, so that's what those meetings are for. And yeah, I just I don't quite get how that's okay and. I'll be I'll be cynical here, and let me let me ask you what you think. If this wasn't a female, and they get a lot of cachet out of having a female as an announcer, would this be going forward like this? If this was, let's let's just throw out Rick Sutcliffe, who does games for them. If he took a job working for the Cubs, would they would ESPN have said, "Yeah, go ahead, and keep working for us," or would they have said, "Well, thanks for the memories, good luck." I mean, my problem is more specific than that because I think it depends on the kind of job and I think it would have been a problem either way. This is a front office baseball operations job. This is not a community liaison 
This is no, not like if Shaq showed up at Laker games to to rah rah the crowd. You know, this is she's there to help make baseball decisions. No, and, I, mean, and, I agree. And, and me, simply yes. put, I, I just don't think I don't think it will work. I, I hope I, don't, I hope it yeah. does. For I think it will work for her. I don't think it will work for the broadcast. She yeah. will either yeah. have to be the broadcaster or the front office person. Yeah. And you I don't can't separate the two. I mean, you know, and, and this is this is a little bit different, but and, and I like this guy. I think he does a pretty good job. But Kirk Herbstreet does, you know, the number one college game every week. And a fair amount of those have involved Clemson. Well, his two sons, his two twin sons are now preferred walk ons at Clemson. He shouldn't be doing their games. There's no way that he can really be objective about Clemson football. He's going to pretend he can. He's already said, you know, I can, I can separate it. You can't. Those are your kids. And and they're getting they're getting good treatment. Dabo Sweeney has brought them in. There's no way you can separate those two things. That's just that's that's farcical to say you can't. Well, and it you know, I think as sports fans, we all accept a certain amount of bias and bias. Home, hometownism because. Yeah. You know, one, because we read it into it when it's not. It's why everyone thinks Joe Buck hates their team, (laughs) Um, you know. But I do think when, you know, when I'm watching NFL Sunday and I get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, if it's a Cowboy game, I I bake in the fact that he's a Cowboy Hall of Famer. He's a pro-Cowboy guy. You know, and and he'll be objective, but – I just it I think it's something that we all just sort of accept. But if right. he still worked for the Cowboys as yeah. a as a, you know, a scout, it, I would I would think it's ridiculous to have him call right. a Cowboy game. What, you know, right. I mean, I hope it works, but what if the Mets are on Sunday night baseball? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I bet we get really good insight into what Jessica Mendoza does for the Mets. Yeah. But I think ultimately she's going to have to pick am I a reporter? broadcaster or am i a front office person because front office. No, you know it's like john hollinger like part of it is also the stuff she right. knows I, you know it goes the other way too not just the other teams but the mets obviously have signed off on this whole idea yeah. but are they going to tell her stuff out of you know what if there's a two percent chance that when she does her scouting and evaluations that when it comes time to talk about the draft on the broadcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know they don't want to tell her what their big board looks like because you right. know she might. She's might, gonna say something, or yeah. or worse, it, it gets implied because she doesn't say something. Let's say the everyone's <laughs> talking about somebody true. and she is noticeably quiet on yeah, that guy. True, true. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I just think you know it's it's uh, it's fine for her to, to take this gig. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, blah blah blah. Everybody feels good. You know, women in sports. Hurrah! Hurrah! But, but, you know, take take one. Do one. You know, if you want to work in a front office, but you mentioned John Hollinger, and he was a big, you know, factor with ESPN for a long time, and then he went to the Grizzlies, right? And I think he's yeah. still there. Yeah. And he's not working for ESPN anymore. You, you, you know, you can't do both. And, and I know the Herb Street thing is a bit different. He's not working for Clemson. But still, I mean, having your kids go there, and, and I just think, I don't think he should be doing their games. I really don't. Now, if he wants to talk about him on game day, fine. Game day is a different venue. But doing their games, I, I just don't think that's good. And, it, 
you know, again, if, okay, so let's say Clemson's playing Florida State in a big game, and, you know, if you're the Florida State coaches, are you going to be free to talk to him when, I mean, you know, that ain't, uh, I'm not saying he'd do it on purpose, but, you know, you're talking to your kids, and, oh, yeah, I was talking to them, and, uh, you know, their linebackers hurt. Oh, he is? Oh, I didn't know that. You know, that type of stuff. So I, I just think that's that's a bad idea, too. But certainly working for a team, it just doesn't seem right that, that you're also announcing games in that league. And, I, I mean, you're right. Aikman's a great example. Um, you know, if Aikman was working for the Cowboys, I can't imagine Fox would continue to have him be their number one announcer or an announcer at all. Or if Tony Romo well, he would took just, a job with the Cowboys. I, I just, from a practical perspective, and maybe baseball is such a different animal that it could work. Yeah. And it's, I, I want to be clear, neither of us are rooting against Jessica Mendoza. You know, it's, no, it's great I mean, that, she's fine. You know, yeah. But, it, but my, my concern is more... How is she going to be impartial if she calls a Mets right. game? And no way she can. How will she? How will her ability to cover the game be impacted by what she can or cannot learn? Right. You know. Right. If if her insight to me, and Sunday Night Baseball is a little different than being a beat, you know, reporter right. for something. But right. if her insight to me is no more in depth than what I can get from the beat reporter. Because no one will tell her anything that's not already known to the beat reporter. Right, right. You know. And what value is she giving on TV? You know, I, you know, she's doing X's and O's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of what happens, you know, pitching matchups, lefty, lefty, what that means. And, yeah. and you know, guys splits. And, and she, I, I actually, you know, I watch a lot of Sunday Night Baseball. I thought she was very good. I, I mm-hmm. thought their whole booth was good last year. Um, yeah, yeah. But... I don't. I just, yeah, I agree. It, with it, you. Color, it colors my perception as a viewer, it and does, I don't know yeah. if it will in the game. But right. sitting here right. before the games count, it strikes me as not right. No, I agree with you. I mean, you're 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 serving two different masters, and I'm not sure how you reconcile those two because, as in her role as Mets front office person, if you learn something about you know, an opposing team and, you know, an opposing player, opposing manager, that's part of your job. You know, Hey, uh, you know, I, I was scouting. I saw this on tape, whatever. Let's try to exploit this. But if you're learning something in the fashion of being a reporter, so your job then is to protect that information. So which, you know, which one matters more? I think you, I think you have to choose one or the other to me. It, it should be a no brainer that you can't do both, but I guess I'm wrong. I mean, I guess ESPN is fine with it, and, uh, you know, apparently it's going to happen that way. It doesn't seem like there's any impetus to change. It it just leads me to, you know, the the line blurring is a little rough because, you know, like the This Is Sports Center commercials are funny, but they cover everybody and and their jokes, and it's fine. The Brewers – did a social media thing about the new spring training uh, renovations to the stadium. And it had the, the head of, you know, the PR basically giving a tour to the brewer beat writers. And the joke was that in catcher storage, the room for catcher storage, they literally were storing the catchers. The the players were all laying in there on the different. Uh Uh And it's funny but 
I like seeing that I had a little tinge of, well, I, you know, I know these guys need access and they're around each other all the time and yeah. it's funny and it doesn't really matter, but they're, they don't work for the team. And it's the same as, you know, every right. NFL.com team site and every yeah. MLB team site and NBA team site, the teams have their own beat writers now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you, they also have the national writers, but there's rarely a super critical story of yeah, a decision. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of blurring of lines in journalism now that, that, you know, didn't used to exist. And you and I have discussed that I oftentimes, and I think you do too, you know, we use the standard of what would, what would Dave Cosgrove think of this? And, you know, that's our, our old journalism, you know, uh, Buddha, basically, you know, um, and I, I think a lot of things I see now in media, and for me, it's it's sports. That's what I follow. Um, I think he would, you know, roll his eyes at, if not get outright angry at. And I think this is one. I think if you know, if he heard that, he'd think, well, how, how can you do both? There's just there's no way that that is correct. But there is a lot of blurring of the lines. There's a lot of bias that just gets accepted now, as you as you put it, and and. I suppose in some ways that's okay, but you know, I mean, I, you know, I love I love watching PTI, um, and and those guys are a little different because they don't they don't really work as columnists anymore. But they're still media, and you know, Will Bond's at the Cubs World Series wearing a Cubs jersey. I love the Cubs and I love Will Bond, but that's not really right. Like he's not supposed to be on ESPN as a Cubs fan. You know, it's not correct. Kornheiser saying, you know, he's going to boo Bryce Harper every time he comes to, you know, back to play for the Nationals or against the Nationals. Like, is that right? You're supposed to be in media. You're not supposed to be a fan. Well, and that's it's funny because we we've started to allow, um, basically biases to become known. Yes. Uh, and, yes. and it's sports, 100%. you know, it's sports, it's politics, it's whatever. But you you know the views of the people presenting you. The, the information and you know do i think matt barry's highlights on sports center for asu are colored by his asu allegiance yes absolutely sure. i do but he shares the same allegiance i share so i think it's fine right um right but we see that you know sort of across the board now with you know you say that with wilbon and it started i think with the sports guy but his yeah. his stick when he was the sports guy and on mm-hmm. page two was hey I'm the everyman I I right. I'm a Red Sox fan I right. he was he was effectively a real life version of the Rick the yes. Mike O'Malley character he was, he was a fan who happened to write at mm-hmm. the time now he's he's become different but yeah yeah you're right um, and and now that that line between fan and and media has blurred a lot if not been outright erased in some ways um and then you know we're we're you know obviously that's it's a different discussion than jessica mendoza but in a way it's not because it's the same general idea of that that notion of journalistic objectivity and maybe it's an ideal that can't be reached but it seems like no one tries anymore (laughs) i don't i don't get the feeling there's a lot of effort to give us objectivity. It's just like, well, here's what you got. Take it, take it or leave it. Well, and, and I'm not saying you have to both sides, everything you don't no. have to get me uh, when, when something is obvious, you can just say X sure. is true. 
Sure, sure. But don't, you know, tell me the refs are, uh, you know, I don't want Kyle Dodd providing (laughs) me with nukes. Yeah, yeah. Like, Kyle Dodd is a great home broadcast color man. Sure. Because he cares about, all he cares about is ASU. Jeff Van Rappahorst, same way. Right. It's not a broadcaster calling the game from a neutral perspective. He is the home broadcaster. You know, yes, they're supposed ASU. to be. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay. But that shouldn't be my Sports Center anchor, and that shouldn't be my generic <laughs> national coverage. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's the that's the thing, and it's it's, it's know, the and, line between columns and news doesn't really exist anymore. It's changing. Yes. Yes. And, and in yeah, sports, I mean, in know, sports, I'm, I think more so than. Hard yeah, news, but so, and 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 that's you know certainly that's the world I can speak to because that's what I follow. I follow you know sports media. Uh, I read a lot. I watch a lot of sports on TV. You know, and so yeah, I, I feel like there is um, you know, and and every human has some bias. I mean, sometimes I read, I read Peter King. You know, I read that Monday Morning Quarterback. I'm not a big fan of Peter King, but it does have a lot of news. And he gets defensive often about you know uh, my bias. You know, I don't have any bias. I, Yes, you do. You're a human being. Every human's got some bias. You've got people you liked and people you didn't like, and that's going to color your perception of, of how you cover them. And that's just the way it is. But there, there should be more of an attempt on the part of, of organizations, I believe, to keep people objective. I just don't think there is anymore. I don't. I don't think ESPN values that whatsoever. And it's not to rip ESPN, but I don't think they care. If, if people are objective or not, they, they want opinions, they want hot takes, they want loud noises, like Rick Tamlin says, and objectivity is well down the list of priorities if it's on there at all. Well, and part of it is when you have someone at ESPN like a Bob Lee who can, yes. you know, who can speak to it, when he does it, you know that it is him saying his opinion. And, yeah. and the problem is we're no longer – flagging that difference no, no. In, in sports between yeah. editorial and fact, yeah. you know, yeah. unless it's, you know, a guy like him, you know, Buster Olney does the daily, right. you know, MLB insider for ESPN <clears throat> and it's a story. It's got some of his opinions in it. It's got right. links to articles and the line sometimes is blurred it is, I, you know, it is. and he does yeah. a great job. I, you know, I read that most no, I agree. days. He's good, but, you know. Yeah. But it's just that we're much more comfortable now with, you know, I didn't like that decision. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I think it goes hand in hand with you know, media have become personalities unto themselves, which is not, you know, the the ideal of what a reporter was supposed to be. Yeah. Is You're not you didn't know who the, the reporter was, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean that that was that was journalism one hundred and one. You know, you are not the story. Well, that's not the case anymore. A lot of these people are the story. They want to be the story. They've made themselves the story. They are celebrities now. And, and you know, and so it's – there's probably no going back on it. There almost certainly is not any going back on it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean these, these guys, they, they become stars. I mean Real Sports does a big feature on Adam Schefter last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Schefter should not be the topic of a feature story. Really, and I'm not a big Adam Schefter fan, so my bias there, I'll, I'll acknowledge it. I think he speculates a lot. I think he throws a lot of things at the wall and hopes a few things stick. Um, but 
you know, like he's not supposed to be the story. He should be telling us the story, not be the story himself. I I don't know that I agree with you on that specific thing because I think real sports is a little different. It is. It is. You know, I mean, because that's, it's like that's doing a feature a, story on Bob Euchre. You, you know, you, yeah, when you're around yeah. and you become interesting. I guess. But, I guess. I mean, and, and that's a different. I mean, he, he was. You know, he's a, first of all, he's a you know, he's a team announcer. And he was in the, you know, major league movies and, you know, so he's become kind of a, you know, he's in the Budweiser commercials or whatever it was. Mr. Belvedere. Uh, and yeah, of course it was yeah, Miller because you know, it's Milwaukee, but that's neither here. Miller, sorry, whatever. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I don't remember him, but, uh, but yeah, you know, that's, that's different. But, you know, again, some of these guys I like, I mean, I like Will Bond and Kornheiser. Um, I love watching that show. You know, I've watched it for, it's been on, I think for 17 years and I have been a pretty loyal viewer for that entire time span. Watch it every day when I get home. Um, but, you know, Wilbon shouldn't be the story, but sometimes he is. He makes himself the story. Kornheiser does it too. Um, Levitard does it. I like watching him and listening to him. So I just, you know, there's probably nothing that's going to change that. Media has become such a thing, and there's there's so much competition for attention in, in media. You know, you got so many 24-hour channels. you got websites. you got this, that, and the other thing that you've got to get noticed and you know, you can't just be hardworking reporter, you know, Jim Murray from the LA times. Those days are long gone. Yeah. I'm with you. We've gotten it far afield. I realize, uh, but you know, the, the Jessica Mendoza thing just gives rise to a lot of that, but uh, to get, to get back to where you started. Yes. I'm completely with you. I don't understand how that's okay. I don't think it should be. But that's that's what we've got now in, in the media world. Uh, so it, it almost doesn't surprise me that some entities do think it's okay. I guess I, I hope it works. I, I'm not sure how it could work. Yeah. But yeah. I, I yeah. hope it works. It, yeah. I guess it's, uh, you know, another step closer to the coaches' film room that we get for the national championship game in football. Sure, of, sure, You know, sure. people who have an you know. interest, but – uh, you know, which is which is very good, you know, but but that's also, you know, it's not it's not people who work for the team. You know, it's not putting, you know, um, the, the offensive Alabama coordinator. offensive coordinator in the booth to talk about the Alabama Clemson game. You know, it's it's other coaches. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, you know, we've hit this point a lot. There is a lot of blurring of the lines. Some of it is OK. And but this this just seems like, you know, over the line of blurring to outright erasing the line that should be there we have drifted so far away from my bachelor comparison and and i felt really good about it i felt really good about my josh you know the one thing that you've mentioned that i really didn't have a whole lot to you know give feedback to or or opinion to um it was a little bit like a few months ago when you started talking about greece too and i was just like yeah Sounds good. I don't know if we did uh, that on the recording, but Greece I'm not sure two, we did. You, we discussed two, the idea of doing it, yeah, and uh, and I remember good, saying it's such a good I have bad much to movie. Give. Like, yeah, it's I, a, I mean, you know, hey, I love me some some bad movies. Don't don't get me wrong. Some of my favorite movies are ones that would most people would qualify as stupid or whatever. That's one I've not seen, so I can't I can't say I like it or dislike it. I just don't know it. I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone as like a, a, a classic that <laughs> a you need to watch. seek out. But it's it's got 
you know, Shooter McGavin. It's got Adrian yeah, Ahmed. And it's I where mean, America falls in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. Sure, so. sure, yeah. I mean, you know, anything with Shooter McGavin can't be all that bad. Yeah. So uh, I guess my point is Jessica Mendoza won't work. Josh <laughs> Rosen is Hannah does. G. Right. And, you know, Grease 2, if you got like an hour and a half to kill and you want to yeah, see like what sure. a bad spinoff of Grease looks like, but also <laughs> so bad that you kind of enjoy it, Yeah, I would I would pull the it trigger. The I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Also, on, on the good bad movies, one that I actually will recommend, Staten Island Summer is an excellent dumb comedy on Netflix. Hmm. So, never, never heard of it. Well, do yourself a favor. Okay, okay. Is this a is this a new movie or an older movie? Uh, newish. It's like Colin Joe okay. Sicily uh, Strong. Okay. is that her name? Okay, from some, SNL. Some SNL folks. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, Interesting. And, and some other people. It's good. It's good. All right, all right, all right. Interesting. So, I'll uh, I'll check it out. Uh, we'll be back after uh, the ASU U of A game as we preview the Pac-12 tournament. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.